most wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses Hello, Aja Jones. Hello. This is a slightly unusual podcast for us. Tell the people why. Well, because we're recording on a Thursday. And normally we record on a Sunday. Why can't we record this Sunday? Because all of our things will be in a truck by this Sunday. One of our listeners emailed me last week and said, hey, your podcast sounded differently. What's changed? And I'm like, if only you could see our studio. <laughs> Everything <laughs> has changed. Yeah. And tonight, which is Thursday night, is the last night we even have microphones plugged in. So we thought we'd sit down and record a slightly different podcast but a podcast nevertheless, because yes. we're moving. We are. We're in fact moving. It's been quite the busy week. Well, I was going to ask you how our week was, and it seems like every week we have a busy week, but it's very fair to say this is a busier week than normal. Yes. Describe our our days. Well, we have all the normal things that we normally have, but in addition to that, we are packing a house. <laughs> Which means we get up early, very early before mm-hmm. any of our kids are awake, do about an hour of packing, mm-hmm. then get the kids up, have breakfast, go to work and then come home. Yeah. Have your normal day. Then they go to bed and then you pack until the wee hours. And that's because we've got some very, very generous friends who are coming over tomorrow to help us load uh, a truck and we didn't want to waste our time. We wanted to have everything packed up and ready to go, which we don't. We we almost do. We have a lot of the house packed it's up. It's hard for me to tell. I think... All the boxes are obscuring my view. <laughs> it's only Thursday, but let's run our week so far. Monday we had M8. Yes. But we're also returning our electric car. Oh, I'm so sad. About three years ago, we took out a lease on a Nissan Leaf. Yeah. Which is the first fully electric car we ever had. Mm-hmm. The only electric car that we've had. So it doesn't take any gasoline. It's just all electric. It felt like having the first ever iPhone. Yes, we felt very progressive. You could tell this is going to be the future of all cars, but we our lease is up on it and we got such an astonishing deal on it. it yeah. We actually made money by having a second car from yeah. the money we saved not spending on gas on having one car. Yes. But there's no way they can match that deal because I don't just, even I still don't know how we got the deal know. that we got. Mm-hmm. So it's 3 years up, we're returning it and that's sad. sad that took place Monday. Tuesday was my birthday. Yeah, it was. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, that's right. 42 years old. Yes. So Just a young pup. A very young pup. So we went out for dinner at my favorite restaurant. There's yes. so many good restaurants in Nashville, but I continually return to G. Alexander's, which is a steakhouse. And what do you order? I order off menu. Yes, you do. Why is that a huge surprise? It's not a huge surprise. Okay. They have a special that one of the servers told me about. If you ever go there and you like spicy food and you like steak, you ask for the 16-ounce New York strip that is blackened, served with drawn butter. If they have a special, which is the braised red cabbage, mm-hmm. get that. Just It sounds ridiculous, but it's delicious. Yeah. It's soaked in pork, then it's braised, then it's added with some goat cheese. Or if they don't have that, get your Campari tomatoes. If they don't have Campari tomatoes, get the heirloom tomatoes. But it's an absolutely delicious, delicious meal. And I devoured one. Yes. So that was fun. Very, very good. Talk about Wednesday. Wednesday, uh, we had the staff fun day. Very good. And so we went to the escape game. Now describe the the escape game to people who haven't heard of this concept. The escape game is um, a claustrophobic nightmare. Um. (laughs) It's not though. I mean, we had some staff who were worried about that, but it 
really isn't that claustrophobic. Uh, honestly, every time I've only played it twice, but both times when they lock the door, I have to talk myself off of a ledge. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. This is a game. I can get out if I need to get out. All right. Well, um, before you freak anybody out, tell us why they lock you in a room. Um, because the whole idea of the game is that you have to escape. And so there's like six or seven different games and they're all themed. So um, the one that we played was like a kindergarten themed one. We're not allowed to talk any more about it than that. So you're given clues uh, that help you solve puzzles that help you escape the room. And but the I- you do it as a group. That's right. And the idea is to get out of the room in as quick a time as possible, working together as a team. Yes. And if you don't get out by 60 minutes, they won't let you buy a t-shirt that says, I escaped, which I think is hysterically funny. Um, so Now, here's the thing. It sounds lame. Like, the first time I heard about it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so boring. And if anyone's done team building exercises at work, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so I, the first time I went, I went with a super bad attitude going, like, I was just figuring that this was going to be a role play nightmare. Right. And as soon as they lock you in the room, something changes and you're like, oh, it is on. (laughs) Alan was like, game on. (sighs) The poor guy that was watching our game, because there's a guy that like kind of oversees and helps if you get stuck and whatever. Was like, sir, sir, you can't use your lock picks, sir. <laughs> <laughs> like, sir, removing the hinges of the door is not part of the game. <laughs> We're like, Alan, just just ratchet it back a little bit. <laughs> but it was so much fun. I mean, that's the second time I've done it. Yeah. And completely different games. But both times we have actually solved it and gotten out in time. Well, our team has. Yes. The team that we've been on has. Okay. I feel like I feel like you're rubbing something in. Would you like to It's just for those that may be listening that maybe didn't escape. <laughs> the vast majority of our staff went on our staff day. Mm-hmm. And of course that's a fairly large staff, so we split into two teams. And one team was successful in escaping and the other team wasn't as successful as they would have liked to have been. In well, they weren't them. successful and they were fairly frustrated by that, which I would be too if it I was, was a mo- It was a moment for inner healing. It was. But anyway, all of that to say, that is a tremendous way to spend some time, which leads us to today, which was my second birthday. <laughs> what about second breakfast? Very good, babe. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes, we went and, well, we did a whole bunch of random meetings and such and then got a little bit of packing done and then off to the cheesecake factory and i didn't even eat cheesecake no but you did so well that's the amount of discipline or rice or anything well i didn't fancy any of it but you did have tamale cakes but the they were sweet corn it. tamale oh, cakes that, so that was good. instead of dessert i had sweet corn tamale cakes to start and they were divine i just found a recipe for them so i'm gonna paleo that bad boy up and see if i can come up with something great you know, two of my longest friends. Longest? Like they're just really tall if you lie them down on the floor? <laughs> well, Sorry. longest in terms of long suffering. Yes. And longest in terms of age. Like you've been friends with them the longest? Yes. Yes, okay. Is there a better way of me saying that? I don't know. Just longest friends. Yeah, Sounds longest strange. running. I don't know. Okay. They're they're actually jumping on a plane tomorrow. Yes, they To are. come to America for the first time. Whoop, whoop. And my sole goal is to give them a culinary tour. And I think it would be remiss of me if I didn't take them to the Cheesecake Factory. But there isn't one where we're going. Then we're going to have to make a drive because they need to see the temple that is the gluttony. They really don't need oh. to. For those of you who've never been to the Cheesecake Factory, it was one of the first restaurants I ever went to in America. In the, okay. year, in the year 2002, I came out to Kansas City to spend a week at IHOP. 
And one of the very first places I went was to the Cheesecake Factory with none other than Sean Bowles. Oh, like, that's really A little cool. bit of trivia for you. There you go. And ever since going to the Cheesecake Factory, I'm hooked. At, it's ridiculous. The menu is, is what, it's 17, 18 pages long? It's ridiculous. I just want to take Glenn and Anna there and watch them pass out. Well, I always order the same one or two things that I pick from because I refuse to meet, like, I refuse to read the entire menu. Baby, you are a woman of principle, and that thank is you, phenomenal. thank you. I know it's very Jesus important. thanks you for his service <laughs> to the kingdom. They do do something that's rather strange, though. Oh, let's talk about that. Okay, this so, is the weirdest off episode episode ever. I apologize. This is so strange, but they they really really heat their plates, um, and which I appreciate. I like having hot food served hot on hot plates. Right. But they do it with the kids' food as well. So they will put a scorching hot, like they can't hold it in their own hands. They're using, you know, towels to bring it out to your table. Scorching hot plate in front of a two-year-old. That's not the funny part. That's tragic. The funny part is they put it down in front of a two-year-old and say, hey, uh, watch don't touch that. It. Don't touch that. It's an exceptionally hot plate. <laughs> and they're like, like, do you want to think about what you're doing with that scalding you hot haven't lava? haven't children, core? have you? <laughs> so today I... Uh, I had a little chat with the manager like, hey, there's maybe a a better way of doing this because actually it's really hard to keep your kids from touching the plate that they're eating from. And actually them getting burned isn't really the goal, is it? Could we have a kid's lasagna on a first aid kit? That would be perfect. <laughs> and with a far extinguisher on the side. I love that. But bless him, the manager was like, oh yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I'll, I'll work on that. We okay. forgot to mention that if you follow us on any social media networks, you will have seen that our good friend Trent Swartzentruber came by last Friday. He did. And spent a whole afternoon with us in the studio taking some photos of us. Yes, he which did. He's a f- they a turned fan- out great. He's a fantastic photographer. Yeah. Really, really good. I don't know anybody with whose appetite to learn is matched by their skill to learn. You find lots of hungry people who maybe s- learn slowly, but Trent seems to absorb and put into practice his learning like few other people I know mm-hmm. is, is amazing. Yeah. And it was really fun and it was relatively unstressful. And you'll see his handiwork in the coming weeks as we overhaul some of the photos on our website and on our social media profiles. Is that what they're called? Profiles. Yeah. I suppose. Should we tell them what our like Instagram and stuff handles are in case they don't follow us and want to or no? Or they could just look in the show notes for this week. Okay. And we'll have links. You'll stick them in. Yeah, I'll stick them in. What okay. is it? com slash 109 to find links to all of that. Okay. But today, for the second, actually, for the first time ever in our life, we sold a house. We did. That's a surreal experience. You go to your solicitor's office and, well, thankfully, we had somebody who explained everything that we're doing. Yes. But basically, you get cramped because you sign a lot. Yes. And then you walk out and, and magically money appears in your bank account. Yes. I love that. Quite bizarre, isn't it? It was fun logging into our mortgage company's website tonight saying, you have paid off your mortgage. Yes. Yeah, that'll last for a whole six days until we start (laughs) the next mortgage. (laughs) It's also weird because when we left the house, we owned the house. And when we drove back, our new owners owned the house. Right. So we're currently living in somebody else's house. True. Until we move out. Yes. All right. Our main topic for this week. Yes. Is there is no main topic for this week. We're up to our eyeballs packing and we're in in the midst of packing and moving house. We're also about to go on vacation, but we didn't want to leave you guys behind. 
And so you got to hear about our week. You're you're welcome. But I thought we'd catch up on some listeners' questions. <laughs> They're thrilled, I'm sure. Yeah. We've got three of them this evening. Okay. This one is for AJ. In fact, the first two are for AJ. Oh, thanks. This is from Amy. Mm-hmm. And Amy says, We have recently moved for my husband's job, and I am currently unemployed and struggling with the loss of our church family. I feel I have no purpose, and I don't know how to get connected with the church in our area. I really need guidance on how I can be a godly wife, a child of God, and contribute something to help further God's kingdom. Where do I begin? How can I get involved? And how can I overcome these negative feelings? Well, I suppose, uh, I, I, wish we, I wish we knew where you were moving to. We might be able to make some suggestions of some churches to check out. Right. Um, but uh, in the absence of um, having some sort of previous connection... I suppose it's just a matter of praying and saying, Holy Spirit, would you lead us to the right place and to the right church and just trying out a few churches in your area and seeing what fits. And if you don't find something that fits, then, you know, keep looking until you do find something that is um, along the lines of what you're looking for. Right. If ever there was a time to, to get to church shop, now would be it. Yeah. And, and maybe you get to reevaluate what you want. And it's unlikely you're going to find what you had because all churches are unique. Mm-hmm. But you'll find flavors that you like, I'm, I'm sure. And then uh, when you do find that church, then that's when you start looking at, well, okay, how do I get involved in praying about what areas is the Lord opening up for you to be involved and, you know, volunteer and all that kind of stuff. So I think the main thing is you have to find the place first. Right. But I think the other thing you can do is, one of the things that I find helpful, especially when I'm being overwhelmed, is to do a thought life audit. Because you said, I feel I have no purpose. So it's good to arrest thoughts like that because, of course, you have purpose. And just because you feel like you don't, you know, that doesn't determine what you get to believe. So you really don't have to believe every thought that passes through your head. And so sometimes doing a relationship audit, if you've got friends and family nearby, I know you just said that you've moved, but, you know, you call them. And sometimes making your thinking out loud allows other people to help audit it and just go, ah, Amy, that's not actually true. Of course you have incredible purpose. And we call we call thoughts that don't line up with what God says is true, ungodly beliefs. And so fun exercise is often to evaluate what you're thinking and then find a biblical truth to counteract what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. To give you a, a, a different climate to think about. Mm-hmm. I'd also encourage you, like during a season where you know, at the moment you you don't have a job um, and you're looking to do something to maybe spend that time with the Lord. Like, I mean, it's not very often in life that as an adult, that's actually what your season looks like. So right. maybe take advantage of it and just sort of be like, okay, God, can you direct me as to what to read or you know, what to be studying in scripture or can you teach me how to soak or, you know, I would start talking to the Lord about what is his design for this season for you. Yeah. It is amazing, you know, because he said, I'm currently unemployed. I'm struggling with the loss of our church family. I'm, I'm, it's important to grieve, especially when you're missing. Sounds like people who are really dear to you. But I had a, I had a horrible boss once upon a time. I mean, he was, no, he was a horrible boss. Mm-hmm. But one of the things he used to say to me, and I hated it when he said it to me, but the phrase stuck with me is, I'd always say, you know, I have a problem with this. And he would say, Alan, there are no problems. There are only ever windows of opportunity, which, of course, he was being facetious. But I've since come to learn that that whenever you're facing discouragement or you experience a struggle, 
that's usually the landscape of the next miracle God's going to do in your life. Mm-hmm. So what I would encourage you to do is, is partner with the Lord, maybe take an afternoon off to just ask the Lord if you can have some dream time together and begin to tell him, first of all, Lord, this is what I'd love my life to look like. This is the kind of church I would love to see. This is the kind of community I'd love to be a part of. And allow yourself an opportunity to pour out what's in your heart and then pray and ask God for those things. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. All right. Well, I hope that's of some use to you, Amy, and to everybody else who's listening to the conversation we just had with Amy. Your second question, AJ Jones, and you'll see why I can't answer this one. This is from Nicole, and she says, how do you go about writing a book? Specifically, the process from having the ideas to getting them down into organized, well-thought-out ideas. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know if I'm the right person to ask, because I kind of cheated. Uh, <laughs> Tell us the cheat. Well, the cheat. Well, the cheat for me was, you know, um, before I wrote Finding Father, I had taken sort of two passes at it. And I'd gotten, you know, six or seven chapters in the first time and then just a couple chapters in the second time. And it really wasn't uh, the way that I wanted to present it, uh, the information. And it it wasn't, it didn't feel like what my heart was, but I really didn't know what I was doing. And then, you know, I just started really praying about it. Like, okay, Lord, I need your help with this. You know, I feel like you asked me to write it. I don't know what I'm doing. And I ended up having a dream. And so um, in the dream, I saw uh, every chapter of the book and I saw what verse was on what page. Right. So basically, I saw the table of contents page. And um, when I woke up out of the dream, I wrote it down while I could still remember it. Like it was this week and then this week and then this week and here's the verses and whatever. And I wrote it all down. And then I used that as my template and I just wrote exactly that. So I just used that as my like shaper's guide to writing a book. Okay. Um, so that's super simple, Nicole. Just go take some NyQuil, have a dream. Go have a dream. And write out what you saw. And then just get the table of contents. Um, but it for me, like the one that I've started processing writing right now um, I just did a mind map. So I basically um, mind mapped out all of the different parts that I want represented or the different chapters or, or teachings that I want represented in the book and then asked the Holy Spirit to help me order them. Um, so I have a mind map that I'm currently going off of for the next one. So I don't know if that helps, but I suppose you could do it either way. I'm obviously doing it from a very shapery perspective. Right. But then you would also... Would this be true that I would watch you write without criticism? Like the first couple of times you'd write and like, oh, this is dreadful. Oh, I hate this. And you'd edit as you were writing. But yes. then you learned to just write without any thought of, does this even make sense? And you'd yeah. pass it to somebody else yeah. who would give it a pass and then you would revisit it. Yeah. Um, and that's because, like I said, the first two times that I tried to write it, I just, I literally deleted the book twice. And somebody who writes books said, oh, you never do that. You know, there's always something useful in it. And because I would get stuck on the on the grammar or on the, oh, I don't know if that's exactly how I wanted to say that. And then I, because I was focusing so much on that, I would get out of flow. So I try and write from flow and stay, you know, stay writing when that thought or when that um, section is done, then I can go back and read it. Right. But usually I get somebody else to take a pass at it first. There you go. 
So there you go. All right. A question for both of us from Callie. Hi, Callie. This is all about life languages. Ooh. So if you're sitting here going, Alan and AJ, you always talk about life languages. There's a reason for that. And it's because it's become the most helpful tool ever for us understanding ourselves and understanding the people in our lives. If you want a quick primer to life languages, we recorded two episodes with Mrs. Alison Hendrickson, a certified life language trainer. You can listen to both of them by going to alanandaj.com slash 76. And the second part is available at alanandaj.com slash 77. It sounded like Sean Connery there, 77. Mm. All right, Callie's question is, I took the life language communication profile and scored as a high contemplator with responder being right behind. I am seeking advice on how to walk in balance as a contemplator, how to not get stuck in my head, not overthink, know how much analytical thinking is good, and how to turn my brain off. I don't want to exhaust those around me who aren't contemplators by my much-needed verbal processing, and I don't know of anyone around me who is a contemplator that has walked through these struggles and overcome them. Do you know of any teachers that are contemplators that speak on the mind, how to harness it, how to think deeply, healthfully, how to see the value in analytical thinking, etc. I could really use their advice. Thank you so much. Who sp- I mean, I don't know if I could say that they specifically speak on helping contemplators. Right. But one thing to consider is most contemplators make excellent teachers. Mm-hmm. Therefore, many of the excellent teachers out there will tend to be fairly high in their contemplator languages. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you're an introvert, and I'm not saying all contemplators are introverts because that's not the case, but if you are fairly introverted, there's a couple of excellent books, Taking Care of Your Introvert, or how did it, yeah, Taking Care of Your Introvert, I think it's called, I'll put a link in the show notes, is a really um, helpful book. But one of the things that you can help the people around you, if they're not high contemplators and you tend to be, is really work on your decision-making skills. So, for example, if you're going out to a restaurant with friends, have a look at the menu before you get there. That way you've got plenty of time to contemplate what it is you would like and you're not holding up the whole table if, for example, that's something that you're finding that you're doing. Oh, that's a good tip. Thank you. Learned that one. That's Mm -hmm. why we have a Dropbox full of the restaurants we're going to. (laughs) Second thing is, one of the things that contemplators must learn to do, especially if they're going to be uh, in healthy relationships with people who are lower contemplators, is they must return to the mothership. I am so guilty of this. So, for example, let's take Wednesday. We had our staff day out. I used up all of my influencer within the first hour of playing the game. I'm locked in a room with about 15 other people. I don't have the option of going to the corner and just pulling out my iPhone and just kind of going into a bubble. So I'm influencing, I'm playing a game, I'm connecting with everybody, I'm encouraging everybody, I'm being encouraged, I'm an active participant. And by the time that 60 minutes is over, I have used up all emotional energy. The trouble is we're going out for lunch after that. And so we're sat at a table and I literally have nothing left. I know that I have a day of meetings after this and I need to have emotional energy for the people I'm connecting with. And so I just retreat into my mind palace. I just completely withdraw. I'm sitting at the table with people to my left and to my right, but it's people who mostly know me, and Mm -hmm. I just retreat. But the people who don't know me, 
I can hear them a couple of seats down commenting on, oh, Alan's just totally withdrawn. And I'm like, I don't want to come out of my cave and explain why. I, I can do that later. <laughs> but what happened was the I was so overstimulated by the noise that I had to put my fingers in my ears. <laughs> so I'm sat at this table with my thumbs in my ears just wishing the event was over. Not because the people are driving me nuts, not because of anything else. No, it was a very echoey place with hard furniture. It it was. Acoustically, it was really noisy. But more than that, I just had reached my limit. What a healthier version of, of that behavior would be, would be to either excuse myself, maybe go sit at a table with less people and engage and be a little bit social. But one of the things we must do is, as, as high contemplators is, of course, go off and recharge. And that can either be physically removing yourself from the room to recharge, or in my case, just mentally and emotionally removing myself from the circumstances, but remembering to come back and rejoin the mothership, which I did once food arrived, because food is great at giving you energy. So, babe, you're a fairly high contemplator. What, what, what tactics do you use? Well, it also sounds like Callie is... Uh not only a high contemplator, but a verbal processor. Um, and a responder. And a responder. And I wonder if the verbal processing comes out of um, the responders need to be loved and need to be understood kind of scenario. Right. So um, they're sort of wanting to share what's going on on, in, on the inside, on the outside. Right. Um, I wonder also because... Kelly, you're a high contemplator and a responder. So my description there of being out with people and wanting to withdraw, because I'm a lower responder, I'm not immediately going to prioritize um, how I might be perceived, whereas a first language or second language responder, you, you want to please, that's your aim. And so you may feel less able to appease your contemplator, mm-hmm. thus the need to, I don't know, not overcompensate, but hey, look, I'm here, I'm connecting with you, but I don't know you enough to know if that's what you're doing. Yeah. So forgive my pop psychology analysis. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like you you are also wanting to befriend uh, other contemplators so that you can contemplate deeply together. And I I think we have sporadic moments of that, but for the most part, contemplator isn't the highest language or the easiest one to find. And so um, I'm also wondering if maybe journaling would be a good thing for you to um, pick up and and test drive, you know, to spend some time uh, exercising your contemplator while journaling with the Lord, Um, because you get to process still. um, And certainly God is contemplative with you. Right. and you'll feel heard and understood and be able to kind of get some of that stuff up. Maybe that, maybe that helps a little bit too. Good. All right. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, again, if you would like the show notes, you go to alanandaj.com slash 109. Though we're going on a much needed family vacation this week, we haven't forgotten about you. Tune in next week for a very special episode of Keeping Up With The Joneses. We hope you have an amazing week. Ta-ta. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games, paleo donuts and the kindness of God, the things we deal with every day. 
from Franklin, Tennessee. They are just like you and me. Alan yeah. and AJ. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. Sharing their life experiences. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. They talk about faith in God and everything under the sun. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.